0: Chapter 39. Gulping for breath, I halted and spun about only to find that another man had come up behind me. I flung myself against the wall, even as I struggled to get Bear's dagger out of my pocket. With the two men keeping to either side of me, I was unable to confront them both. But once I saw, but one I saw had a large stick in his hand. The other held a knife. Keep away, I screamed, finally managing to pull Bear's dagger free from its sheath. Though my heart was pounding and my legs were shaking, I held it before me as Bear had taught me. The dagger had caused my attackers to hesitate. In that moment, I made a clumsy lunge at the man with the stick. Not only did he l- nimbly leap out of the way, he brought his stick hard down hard on my wrist. The pain and shock were so great, I dropped the dagger. The next moment, arms locked around me from behind. I kicked and butted my head back. There was a sharp grunt and the man's arms went slack, just enough to allow me to break his grasp. Head down, I charged straight at the man with the stick, catching him in the chest. He fell back. It was enough. With a burst, I ran past him down the alley. Then I plunged along a different narrow way, taking one turn after another, not daring even to glance back to see if I were being followed. I don't know how long I ran before I stopped and looked behind. Seeing no one, I allowed myself a moment's rest. Heart thudding to the point of pain, my wrist still smarting where it had been struck, I tried to grasp what had happened. Why Stromford Stewart was in Great Wexley was something I could make no sense of. But what was clear was that, far from escaping the pursuers who wished me dead, I'd come to a place where they could trap me. In my frantic state, I was quite sure that not even Bear could protect me. What's more, I had disobeyed him. It was not a thing I was sure he would forgive, and hadn't he told me to run away if attacked? I made up my mind to leave the town. I would get beyond the walls and flee. Exactly where I'd go didn't matter as long as I escaped. While it was easy to make the decision, I quickly realized I had no idea where I was or where to go in order to leave. With my distress growing every moment, I looked around, trying to get some sense of my whereabouts. When I had first arrived in Great Wexley, I had been overwhelmed by the multitude of different things I saw. Now, in a complete turnabout, my panic made everything seem the same. What's more, I couldn't help but feel that lurking behind each corner, each bend of each alley, would be more of my enemies. Still, I also knew I couldn't remain where I was. My pursuers had already proved they knew the town well enough to track me down. Moving with great caution, I wandered down one alley after another, spying ahead even as I constantly checked behind. What made things worse was that no matter where I went, I had the sensation I'd been there before. It was as if I could make no progress. But then I came to what seemed a good idea. Bearhead told me that the great walls encircled the entire town. If that was the case, and I didn't doubt him, I supposed that I could find some part of them as long as I walked a straight line in any one direction. Then, once I found the walls, I'd follow around until I came to the gate through which we had entered. From there, I'd make my exit from the town and flee to safety. Feeling somewhat less apprehensive now that I had a plan, I immediately set off. Though I hurried, I remained alert lest I blunder into another attack. Again and again, I made myself slow down. Try as I did to follow a straight line, I soon discovered it was impossible. The alleys and streets meandered in ways that bewildered me. It was as if I were in a maze. Even so, I forced myself to go on because I was afraid to stay in any one place. So I made my way by hugging walls, slipping around corners, all but crawling. Daylight was fading. The long summer twilight had begun to ebb. With it came a resumption of chilly rain. Soon, misty dimness cloaked the air. The brightest light came from within houses, or the occasional passerby, who made his way holding a flaming rush or lantern before him. Fewer and fewer people were abroad. Shadows lengthened. Now and again, men would stagger by, clearly having had too much to drink. The only other noise, and it came from shuttered houses, was an occasional burst of laughter, an angry shout. A child call. At last I made out the town walls. They rose high over my head and seemed to melt into the murky sky. Nor were they smooth walls as I had imagined, but had houses built close against them. Even so, as far as I was concerned, I was making progress. Now, according to my plan, I needed only to follow the wall around. If I did, surely I would come upon the gate through which Bear and I had entered the town. Once again, my plan was faulty. The wall had not been built in a simple circle, but was in fact serpentine. Still, I continued on until I stumbled on a wide street paved with stone. When I recognized it as the one which Bear and I entered the town, I started to run along it. Then two things happened almost simultaneously. The town's church bells began to ring, and I saw what appeared to be a gate in the wall. Some nine or ten soldiers were milling about. A few carried flares though I wasn't sure if it was the same gate by which Bear and I had entered. I told myself it didn't matter. It was a way out of town. I ran toward it. Even as I did, the great doors, hauled by soldiers, swung in and shut. Now, not believing what I was seeing, I stopped, aghast, and watched as the soldiers dropped huge beams across the doors to brace them shut. Then they added chains and even locks to keep the doors securely closed. Having shut the gates, most of the soldiers began to stroll away, leaving only two behind. I drew close enough for them to notice me. Did you want to leave? One of them called. Yes, sir, I said. Too late. They're closed. They'll be open in the morning at prime. Now get yourself away. The curfew has begun. You should be behind doors. I remained standing where I was, unsure what to do. Be off with you, a soldier shouted. I turned and began to wander away. It had become night. The rain intensified. The streets, now swamps of muck and mud, were all but deserted, save for a few laggards. Even they moved hurriedly, no doubt wanting to get behind doors lest they be taken up in charge. Animals began to emerge, mostly pigs and dogs, but rats too. They were splashing about in search of things to eat. As night thickened, people put up their house shutters. The town grew even darker than before. Hearing the sound of marching, I turned quickly. Some six helmeted soldiers, armed with broadswords and bearing lanterns, were coming down the street. I leaped into a narrow alley and peered out. As they went by, one of the soldiers shouted, The hour of complaint is at hand. The curfew is in force. No one may be on the streets. As they passed, I shrank back, listening as the tramp and shouts grew fainter. It was night now. The town seemed asleep. The sky was black. The rain still fell. I wandered on wet and miserable, looking for a place to conceal myself, hoping I might stumble upon the green man. The only sound I heard was the squish of my feet on the or stones. I hardly dared to breathe. Then I heard the sound of running feet. I pressed myself against the wall and peeked out around a corner. A group of men, torches, held aloft, hurried past. By the light of their torches, I glimpsed their blue and gold livery. It was the same livery as Lady Furnival's entourage wore, but I recognized them as the steward's men. How could that be? Then I recalled something that I had heard the stranger say in the forest. "Aycliffe was Lady Furnival's kin. I wanted to think through things through but feared to take the time. Instead, I backed away and scurried down the narrowest of alleys, the walls so Close, I could have touched either side by stretching out both arms. I was halfway down it when I saw the hulking form of someone lurching toward me, hooded lantern in hand. I stopped, turned, and began to run in the opposite direction, only to hear a thunderous, Crispin, stop!